This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hi. Good morning, afternoon, evening, brunch time, lunch time, still quarantining time. At least this isn't getting really old time. When will sports come back time? I guess we don't know yet time. Whatever time of day it is, boys and girls, it's the right time for the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. Wes Rucker coming to you from Fort Rucker Studio here on a Wednesday afternoon Recording this late in the afternoon. Probably going to go ahead and drop it late in the afternoon or early in the evening as soon as we can get it cleaned up. And you know why we might have to get it cleaned up? Because we have a dirty, dirty fella as the co-host on this episode of the Govals 24-7 podcast from Parts Unknown. Uh, and we don't really say where he is because we, we know how he is with that. It's our good friend, the one and only Tennessee football beat writer for Govals 24-7, Patrick Brown. What's up, Pat? Uh, I'm not that dirty, first of all, because I have showered in the last 24 hours. <laughs> That's true. I think I actually <laughs> took a shower. I actually, Allegedly, maybe. I actually took a shower right before we recorded this ep- episode, so I'm, this is probably as clean as uh, I could possibly be at this uh, moment. I did time. not. Well, that's okay. I mean, you know, it's the quarantine. Who really knows, right? Does it really matter? Does anything matter anymore? Uh, yeah, a lot of stuff matters. Well, Pat, without getting but, it, but showering is doesn't matter because you're you're probably not leaving your house, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. It, it it matters to your your significant other. Nah, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of that, Pat, without getting into specifics, obviously, how are how are you and yours holding up during this uh, quarantine? Uh, we're we're doing well. Lots of walks. Um, we are going and and picking up some food from some places around town. So doing our part to save some of those or help some of those places out. That's true. There uh, are I'm not going to name any names because this is uh, we have other sponsors on this here podcast. That's true, but there uh, are a lot of good. So local I will places. refrain. But there are uh, a handful of good good deals out there to be had if you can and find some for some of these places. Curbside pickup, take it home, eat it. Maybe get more. Uh, maybe get more than just one meal out of it. So. Yeah, that's true. And there's a lot of good local businesses out there, and I hope everyone's doing their part, or if you can, if you're if you're able to do that, because there's a lot of people out there left and right losing their jobs. It's a really, really unfortunate time uh, economically for our world. Obviously, health and safety comes first, but you know, economics, not far behind it, because that leads to health and safety. So uh, if you can support local businesses out there, obviously, we, we know the big boxes, they're going to handle this thing just fine. Uh, but for the most part, but if you can support some of those local businesses, uh, especially those ones around downtown Knoxville, I don't want to give any 
specific plugs, but there's downtown Knoxville has come so far in the past 10, 15 years, and it, it's getting better and better every year. And there are so many interesting, unique local businesses there, whether they're restaurants or little shops, you know, coffee shops here or there, uh, little stores that you can go into. There's just all sorts of neat little places there downtown. And I hope that, that you can either, uh, you know, maybe get some gift certificates from there, order some stuff online from them, whatever you can do. Uh, because the local businesses, the local economy is important to us here at the Go Vols 24-7 podcast. You know what else is important to us, Pat, is uh, Tennessee football, obviously. Uh, I think, I don't know if for sure we're going to wrap up the uh, off-season checklist with this. I don't know if we could get specialists into their own episode or not. That might be pushing it even in these times, Uh, but we still have some defensive work to get to to round this out. We're going to get to the defensive backs uh, and previously, if you want to go back and listen to these, we did the uh, quarterbacks and, and wide receivers and, and tight ends and all those guys. Then we did offensive line, running backs, all those guys. Then we did the front seven on defense. Now we're wrapping it up uh, potentially uh, with a look at the back end of the defense. Jeremy Pruitt's uh, pet project, his, uh, his, his favorite position, the one he played, the one he served as a position coach for most of his career, and, and the one he still coaches now. So we're going to split this up. We're going to go cornerbacks in the first segment. We're going to go safeties in the second second segment and uh, the good news is starting with corners pad is that Tennessee's in maybe you could want a little more depth there but uh, Tennessee looks to be in a really good position at corner which is a premium spot yeah I think you uh when you look at some of the strong suits of this defense I think cornerback might be another position you start at with um with Bryce Thompson I think he's one of the most talented guys on this on this roster um still can can get better still has some some room to grow as a player um, and then you look at Sean Schamberger, who had a great season in 2019, uh, really came in and made that nickel spot his own, um, that, that slot quarter spot, uh, blitzed off the edge quite a bit, finally yes. got an interception in, in the bowl game there, um, and, and really solidified an important spot on the defense. And then um, you got some other good options. Uh, Alante Taylor is a guy that uh, a lot of people have been following for a while, given uh, he was a Tennessee guy who was committed for a while was out of the recruiting class and back in when the coaching change happened. Um, he's had some ups and some downs, but I thought he finished last season pretty strong. Um, and then, you know, they got good play out of Kenneth George when he played and, and Warren Burrell's a guy who's only going to get better. So um, there are some things to like about uh, this cornerback position in, um, in this off season and going into next season for, for, for Tennessee. Yeah, I think you look at it and, and there's a lot of different ways you can, you can break it down. The way I'm going to break it down is, at least from my opinion, and uh, feel free to uh, interject, Pat, if you disagree with this. I think we can lock down. I disagree. Bro- yeah, I can, I can understand that. Uh, and go ahead and sharpie in a healthy Bryce Thompson into one of those starting spots at corner. Uh, I think there's a pretty darn good chance Sean Schamberger holds on to that nickel spot. He played really well toward the end of last season. He's a senior now. Uh, and without Nigel Warrior, who we'll talk about later, they, they really need as much experience as they can get at some of those spots. I feel pretty good about those two guys if they're healthy being in those two spots. I mean, I think I feel like a 10 out of 10 there uh, confidence-wise with Bryce Thompson starting a corner and, and pretty high up there with Schamberger. Not not quite a 10 out of 10, but I think there's a pretty darn good chance he stays at that that other corner or at that, that, that kind of slot nickel corner spot there. On the other side, uh, that could be pretty interesting because you got a bunch of guys competing for that. You know, Lelante Taylor, will the sum ever be – uh, equal to the parts because we know he's got everything in terms of having a bag full of tools. That guy's got every physical trait you could possibly want for a corner runs well enough, uh, extremely good tackler plays hard, works hard every day, uh, has a pretty good short attention span there in terms of 
you know, kind of if you burn him once, it's not going to destroy his confidence. There's a lot to like there, but he's just got to put the whole thing together. And and if he doesn't, uh, you got a guy, a bunch of guys behind him. Warren Burrell's a guy who I think, you know, people were really kind of hoping he would jump right in there like like Bryce Thompson did as a freshman and kind of step in and be a star. That wasn't the case. But I think he's a guy who does have a bright future, and he's a kid who works really hard, and he's really tough. Uh, you've also got some guys behind him there, um, some guys like it, it's easy to forget that, you know, Kenneth George uh, didn't have the best offseason, but obviously, but when he went out there and played in games, he did okay. I, I thought he made a couple of nice plays. Uh, you've also got some some young guys behind him there, like Kenny Solomon, who's a talented young guy. Uh, you got some guys coming in who we'll talk about in a minute who could kind of be a factor there. Uh, I think they, they've got that other corner spot to me just has a ton of options. Yeah, and and <clears throat> late last season on the stretch, it was kind of uh, Kenneth George started some games, uh, Alante Taylor started some games. I thought Taylor sort of uh, played better down the stretch, but both those guys played a lot. Uh, you know, Bryce Thompson was banged up in that Kentucky game in the second half. Um, obviously, they weren't playing a team that was throwing the ball at all, but um, still had the, to handle their their business and stay disciplined with what their job was on on uh, with that particular assignment. But um, you know, they had to play t- Taylor and George in, in those games, and so. Um, and, and Burrell is another guy you mentioned. I, I think people are probably down on him after he got roughed up a little bit during the uh, first month of the season. But um, he's a guy that the staff really likes, really liked back uh, back last offseason. I mean, there was a reason he was starting to, to open the season last year. Uh, part of that reason, yes, was because Bryce Thompson was suspended. But uh, Burrell was a guy that really earned his way into the starting lineup and um, didn't play well. And once Tennessee got Thompson back, they were able to, to put him back on the field and, and Burrell – uh, he also got hurt. That didn't help his situation either. But uh, he's a guy that if he's your fourth option and maybe your fifth option, if if, if you include Schamberger as an outside guy, which he can be if needed, um, that's that's a pretty good situation. I, I think Burrell's got a chance to be a good player down the road. Um, <clears throat> but I, again, I think, um, you know, people have been kind of looking at the the duo of, of Bryce Thompson, Alante Taylor. Uh, and, and, and you kind of said it, it it's kind of time for Taylor to, um, sort of start putting everything together. You know, he, he, he was playing better down the stretch. He obviously had a huge mistake early in the season against BYU. Um, I thought showed some some good resiliency to s- sort of, in the long run, overcome yes. that gaffe, which yes. was obviously a, a game-deciding uh, mistake that he made in, in that moment. But um, both these guys now, and even and I'll throw Thompson there too, they're, they're upperclassmen now. They're juniors. They've been on campus for more than two years now. So um, it's time for them to... Uh, as emerge as uh, emerge as, as quality players, as leaders, as guys that set the tone uh, on the defense. Obviously, this defense is losing a lot of leadership from uh, the three guys that are moving on in the NFL. Um, and it's time for those guys to sort of step up and, and be voices and be vocal and, and uh, be examples for their teammates um, whenever the team gets back together. Uh, and, and that's what I'm going to be looking for uh, from those guys um, whenever the team does get back together, whenever there is a season to be had. Yeah, I think that you said it really well, Pat, and you made a point I was going to make a little bit later, which is that mental toughness at this position is a, is non-negotiable uh, because it's it's like this. If if a defensive lineman kind of gets in the wrong gap and, and, and kind of gives up a big play, you might not notice. The average fan might not notice kind of who, you know, that he made that mistake. If a linebacker gets into the wrong gap or something like that, if an offensive lineman, if a guard pulls the wrong way or something like that, you know, a coach is going to spot that from a mile away. The, the player, or the average fan watching the game in the stands or on TV 
might be like, oh, man, well, why is the running back not doing anything? Or And it might not be his fault. It might be somebody else's fault. When you're a corner and you're in man coverage and you get beat, uh, everyone and their mother knows exactly who messed up on that play. There is absolutely no doubt about it. And, and even at quarterback, there are times where you might throw an interception, but that's because the receiver read the play the wrong way or ran the wrong route. So it might not necessarily be the quarterback's fault. Uh, or, or uh, you know, he, he gets hit from the blind side because, you know, one of his left guard or left tackle, one of those guys tied in, didn't pick up a blitzer. Those things happen. At corner, when you get beaten man coverage, it's it's pretty obvious. Or, or if you kind of release somebody and they're not supposed to be released, as Alante Taylor did in that BYU game, I mean, he wasn't the only one who messed up on that play because Nigel Warrior had a chance to get him on the ground well before they got into field goal range. So they they both messed up pretty badly on that play. But Alante Taylor started the whole thing just by releasing a receiver for absolutely no reason. And that decided that football game. And and I think he and Warrior both did just an excellent job of of kind of flushing that and moving forward because that's the kind of thing that can really, really mess up somebody's psyche for a while. If you lose... You know, football's got so many players that it's like if you are in a locker room with 100-plus dudes and they know that your mistake ended up being the one that decided the game, that's a really tough place to be in. But it's also a good case study in in being a corner and having mental toughness because late in the season he bounced back and played better. Looked to me like, and, and Pat, you may have seen something different, it looked to me like later in the season when they were playing teams that were going to run the ball a lot – they wanted Taylor in there because he's such a really good tackler. He is a really, really good – he almost tackles like a safety or outside linebacker. He's a really physical tackler. And if it was a, someone who might throw the ball more, it looked like they were going with George. Am I, am I oversimplifying that? Was there more to it than that? Uh, I, I don't know if that was the trend um, or if that's what they did or not. I, I kind of thought Taylor played more down the stretch um, overall. I think if you just look at the snap counts, but – um, I do think there's some truth to Taylor being a pretty good tackler. I think he's, um, other than maybe Schamberger, maybe the best tackler they have at cornerback. Although I think Kenneth George is up there too. I think that's an area where Bryce Thompson can uh, and will improve um, is his tackling. But uh, you made an interesting point um, about playing corner, and that's you know you're uh, especially in this defense the way that Tennessee wants to play. You're going to be on an island, and you're going to be playing some um, some of the best receivers in college football. Uh, on a weekly basis, and you got to you got to man up and, and guard those guys. And um, but I thought Tennessee, I thought they did pretty good, you know, uh, in a lot of the matchups they had last season at corner. And now they had they had some tough matchups. Obviously, they had some trouble with Alabama's guys, but then again, who didn't? Correct. Um, Florida's receivers, uh, another group that was probably second or third best in the league. Uh, well, they're not second or third. They're probably third best at best, given what Alabama and LSU had. But yeah. uh, Florida had some really good receivers, uh, and I think Tennessee struggled in that, that matchup. That's what I want to see this group do: is can they can they go up against um, maybe the more elite receiver groups in the SEC that they're going to face? And um, they're going to face talented guys at Alabama. Um, you know, tired of losing two of that ridiculous quartet they had, but they got two more coming back. Um, Florida's losing some guys, but you know, Georgia has George Pickens. Uh, Oklahoma always has really good wide receivers. Uh, that those are the those are the teams where I think Tennessee's cornerbacks need to sort of take the next step. They can handle some of the the mid level and some of the um, the other matchups that they got. You know, uh, you know, I think South Carolina had two guys that went for 100 yards against them, but uh, South Carolina was also losing for most of the second half and having to throw the ball. So correct. Um, that that's where I want to see uh, Tennessee's cornerbacks take the next step, and and part of that is confidence. And I think Tennessee's uh, I think these guys are 
naturally confident because you have to be that way to sort of play this position and 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 live and breathe it every day. But uh, you have to have some swagger about you and some confidence that you can go out there and and you know I'm not going to let you catch this pass. Uh, I think they've got Tennessee's got some guys that can do that. Uh, and now I, I'm interested to see if if you know when and if there is a season if they can can go out and, and match up against some of those. Uh, those upper echelon SEC wide receivers and, and hold their own and maybe even win some of those matchups, which I think is probably maybe the only maybe the only thing they didn't do last year. Uh, I think they, um, they they gave up some yards in some of those games and some big plays in some of those games where in other games that Tennessee won or they were playing against wide receivers that weren't that good, they, they kind of won uh, and did their job like they needed to. But uh, can, can they do that? I think this group um, has the talent and they have the mindset um, and they should have the coaching too to be for to be pretty sure. Good. For sure, they'll have the coaching. And I, I think Pat, you're talking about Thompson. That's a good point. I, I think Thompson with his tackling. I think there's a couple things that go into that. One, I think it's more of a technique issue than a toughness issue uh, because that kid's tougher than cheap steak. I mean, he he he'll go out there and he'll hit you. He he'll play physical. Uh, he plays the game with tenacity. I think it's just kind of a technical thing in some areas. Like he just, you know, he only as talented yeah, he as he really, is. Didn't really probably didn't have to tackle much in high school. It's probably a, yeah. yeah. And, and as talented as he is, he weighs a, a buck eighty-five. So you have to have good technique to be a good tackler at that size. I mean, we saw Rashawn Galden as soon as he learned how to tackle. In addition to the way he plays the game, he became a different player. And, and I think thompson needs to do that too he also was banged up last season especially late in the year he was kind of on one leg out there playing corner which is really hard to do Uh, but i think he was doing a pretty decent job pat do you see anybody else there's a couple things we need to discuss you know with the newcomers coming in it it, it looks to me like um like key lawrence is going to step in and they're going to try to play him maybe at corner nickel first before putting him at safety and see if he can play there Uh, do you see him being a guy who can step up and compete for playing time And, and second part of that who else other than Schamberger, uh, you know, maybe Thompson or who else? Who else could they look at there at the nickel spot? Um, I'll, I'll start with the nickel spot. I think Jalen McCullough might be uh, one of the options there, or they they could play. Um, uh, McCullough was the backup last year. Uh, they they could work in a guy like like Lawrence could be uh, at that spot. It, it's a unique position. It's it it kind of there's kind of a different skill set that they want there, um, and. and and depending on the package, they may want different things there. Um, and it, it was interesting to me, and we, we didn't have touched on this yet, but late in the season, once uh, Bryce Thompson had a few weeks of practice under his belt, they were playing him as the money and dime. So um, that's another opportunity where if you're Tennessee's third cornerback right now, you're still going to be playing a handful of snaps just in that sub package uh, on, on third downs and passing situations. I think that's they, they played him inside there against UAB some and maybe some late, and a couple other games late in the season when he was uh, – uh, when he between when he was healthy and and still um, you know once he had gotten his legs under him from missing the you know first three games and a few weeks of the season early, um, they, they played him inside. So are they going to keep doing that uh, with Thompson? Or do they feel confident enough in in putting whether it be George or Taylor or someone else out there on the field on, on some of those key situations on third down when your coverage needs to be good because you know their team's throwing the ball? Uh, and that other, that other nickel spot, you know, I, I think McCullough can play it. Um, they've obviously groomed him to to learn that position. I think he. Uh, handles uh, can handle some of those uh, responsibilities there in terms of uh, being good and run support, setting the edge, uh, coming off the edge on blitzes. I think he can do some of those things. The question was, is, is can you take him off the back line? I think you can. Uh, if you've got Trayvon Flowers healthy and you've got Theo Jackson healthy, I think those are um, two guys you can, you can play 
at the back end if you need to. Um, and in terms of Lawrence, I, I think he's a guy that the staff is when he comes in, they're viewing him as a guy that can play anywhere in the secondary. They're going to start him off at corner, but it wouldn't be a surprise to me if they're grooming him to be uh, sort of a utility guy. Um, and, and if they see that he can't play corner, then they might you know, move him to safety. But uh, they think he has the versatility to play all across the secondary, every position, money, dime, star, all that stuff. Um, safety corner, they think he can do all of it. Um, and you know, once he gets to campus, they'll be able to better evaluate what uh, he can and can't do. But uh, he's another good piece to um, to the future of the secondary, I think, whether or not he plays a bunch as a freshman or not. Um, you look at a guy like him and Flowers and McCullough uh, or some of these guys, and I'll even throw Burrell in there because I know the staff is high on, on his potential, but um, that, that's a good nucleus and a good group. And even tie, you know, throw Tyus Fields in there too if, if, if there's – uh, there might be something there as well. So, um, yeah, I, th- I think Lawrence is a guy that can get on the field, maybe not necessarily on defense, but certainly on special teams. I think he can, can play, and, and, and the staff will uh, evaluate what he can do and see positionally where he can help. Yeah, I, I think Burrell, to me, looks like a guy who I, I I see some Justin Coleman in him. I think they're built just a little bit differently. I think Burrell's just maybe a little bit taller, a little bit longer. Um, but he reminds me of, of Mosley in, in kind of the way he plays the game and, and – how how once he fills out and gets more confidence and really learns what he's doing, I think you'll see him go out there and and be a, a much better player later in his career. I just I, I might be wrong there, but I I think he's a guy who has that potential to kind of be a much better player later in his career. So we'll see what happens there. And I think it's also worth noting that just because you play uh, the star position doesn't mean you'll be the guy who plays the money position. There there's slightly different skill sets there. Some teams. Uh, we'll use the same guy there for those kind of two spots, Pat. But but some teams will, will kind of go for different guys in that spot. And I think Tennessee kind of likes Schamberger right now at the star, and probably Thompson more at the at the money spot. Is that probably fair to say? Yeah, and and at the end of the day, it, it boils down to getting your five to six best defensive backs on the field. Um, and and in certain positions, you're going to want certain guys to be able to do certain things. Like you're you're, you know. Thompson's a, a decent blitzer off the edge. He's gotten, you know, he, he has a couple sacks in his career. Uh, Schamberger obviously is, is capable of doing it too. And uh, we, we kind of joke about this as the staff among the four of us, or, or mainly Grant Ramey jokes about it. But uh, there was a, I can't remember what game it was during Pruitt's first season where he talked about he was, I think, complaining about they didn't play well. And he talked about how uh, Tennessee's defensive backs who were blitzing off the edge were tippy toeing in there. Yeah, you know, they, tip, don't want, they don't want, they don't want tippy toeing in there. <laughs> they, they don't want, uh, that maybe maybe part of the reason they like Schamberger in there because he doesn't tippy toe in there if he's if he's free off the edge. So, um, and, and there's another guy, you know, we'll see what happens with Tamarian McDonald. He's another one of the Whitehaven trio, another uh, incoming freshman. I've talked about playing him some at nickel. Um, he, he could grow into a linebacker. He's another guy that positionally I think is to be determined. But uh, if we're if we're talking about nickel star that kind of position, I think he he might be a factor there. Uh, maybe not this season and, and maybe not at all maybe uh you know once he gets to campus and has a nutrition plan whatever you know what it, who knows if that's going to be uh what that's going to look like but could be a, a guy that grows into a linebacker or a guy that they use sort of as a hybrid linebacker defensive back but um again the, the staff likes to have guys that are versatile especially in the defensive secondary um they like to be able to move guys around and and uh, they want guys that can cover and, and play play run and um and, and blitz and do all of those things. I like all these guys to, uh, to be a, a little bit, you know, be good at, at everything. Uh, they want to be able to cover like corners, play the run and, and play center field like safeties. And, 
uh, and blitz off the edge like uh, like linebackers. So, um, and, and they keep continuing to sort of bring some of these guys in, and they have a handful of these guys on their roster right now. I think that's a good place to leave it there for the first segment. Guys, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to pay some bills, listen to some products and services and in-house ads and all those other fun things, and then we're going to come back uh, and we're going to speak about Tennessee's options at the safety spot, which, uh, hint, I don't think that situation is quite as bad for Tennessee as some think. I think they have a chance to be pretty decent there, especially with the coaching and, and some of the options that they have. But we'll see. We'll talk about that in just a second. Hashtag ad. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back to the Go Balls 24-7 podcast brought to you by whatever products, services, and in-house ads you may or may not have heard just a second ago. As always, you're not contractually, morally, ethically, spiritually obligated in any way, shape, or form to listen to those commercials. You can always hit that fast-forward button, but we appreciate the people who don't do that. Helps us at TBS Sports, helps us at 24-7 Sports, helps us at Go Balls 24-7, and who knows? It might even help you. Maybe you're sitting around during the quarantine and you're thinking, man, I've, I've, I've streamed everything I can stream. I've, I've listened to everything I can listen to. Uh, but then you listen to this podcast and boom, you, you hear an idea for another one of the podcasts that you might enjoy listening to on our CBS family of, of podcasts, our CBS network family of podcasts, I guess I should say, podcast network. I'm not really sure exactly what we call that arm. We're kind of a big company, but uh, you might hear something that you want to listen to, or you might hear uh, something about a product that you uh, that, that you want to run your house. You know, maybe, you, maybe you're bored sitting around during the quarantine. Maybe you've uh, it's a nice day outside. You want something? Boom! You get an idea from those commercials, and you got something that might entertain you. you sound at like the John house. Madden right now. Boom! Boom! He's on his back. Stuff acting to acting. Boom! He's on his back. I remember that from the old Madden football. West Rucker and Patrick Brown coming to you here, talking about Tennessee's offseason checklist at the defensive back positions. We spent the first segment discussing Tennessee's situation at the corner spots and a little bit there at the money and star spots. Now we're going to wrap it up here in the second segment by talking about Tennessee's options at safety. And for anyone who watched Tennessee last season uh, and the seasons before that, you will notice that uh, in addition to a guy like, um, you know, uh, maybe a guy like uh, Kenny George or somebody like that who kind of improved a little bit last season, the, the most improved player on the team, I thought, by by a wide margin, if it wasn't Sean Sandberger who probably came in second, it was Nigel Warrior. Uh, that guy uh, has always been – he was always good against the run. He was always a good, you know, kind of vicious, violent player. Like, boom, he's on his back. But he, he was kind of a liability there in pass coverage, uh, and, and he really, really turned that around as a senior, became a complete player, a complete safety, 
uh, and a guy who played kind of at an all-conference level and now a guy who's working out in, in hopes of uh, earning a future at the NFL level. So that was good to see from him. But the, the problem is he was a senior. He's gone. So now going into this next season, there's going to be one signee who's added to the mix. There's a, a couple guys who played, a couple guys who were hurt that are now back. Pat, what do you think about Tennessee's safety spots overall? Well, I, I think the big question is um, who's going to be that second guy. I think I feel pretty safe saying Jalen McCullough is going to be a starting safety at Tennessee uh, 2020, probably 2021, and depending on that, maybe 2022 as well. Um, I think he's the present and maybe the future at the position. I know the coaching staff has been really high on him for a long time. Jeremy Pruitt recruited him as going into his freshman year. Um, a lot of the SEC wanted him. Tennessee ended up getting him. Uh, the staff, Derek Ansley, Pruitt, pushed him really hard from his first spring practice uh, a year ago. Uh, it, it took him some time to, to catch up and get comfortable, um, but once he got his opportunity, they threw him in there against Alabama, and, and he responded. He, he looked like he looked like he belonged, looked the part. So, um, and I thought, you know, he, he maybe struggled a little bit against Kentucky with some of the stuff. You know, Kentucky was doing some stuff that's not really orthodox offensively, but correct. Very uh, and, and tough for a freshman maybe to, to learn seeing it full speed at that speed for the first time. But uh, I think he's a guy that that, <clears throat> that can be a really good player for Tennessee, uh, even starting as a sophomore. I think he's uh, smart enough and uh, has the, the kind of alpha leadership personality that you need to, you know, to do some of the things that Warrior did in terms of communication, uh, making sure everybody's on the same page coverage wise and all those things. I think he can, uh, he can sort of take over that role much in the same way Henry Totoa can uh, take over that sort of responsibility and some of those um, some of those jobs at, at linebacker. I think McCullough can do that. And the question to me is, um, can they find a second guy who's just as good or better uh, to play at the other spot? And I think it really comes down to Trayvon Flowers. I think when healthy, he's probably going to be the guy. I think Theo Jackson's a solid player. Not a bad option to have. Uh, veteran presence back there, but um, in terms of upside, I think natural talent, I think uh, McCullough and Flowers would be my two picks to be the starting safeties next season. But uh, with Flowers, you just wonder, first of all, he's not been able to make it through a full season. Uh, and secondly, because he's been hurt, he's just missed a ton of practice time over his two years at Tennessee. And um, you know, for some guys, it may not be that big of a deal. But for a guy who didn't play football in his ninth, 10th, 11th grade year uh, and only picked it back up as a senior, uh, I, I think that's – uh, he, he's obviously been hurt in his development at that, that position because he's been out because he's missed a lot of practice time. So uh, a couple times because of injuries and now um, with the situation that's going on right now where the team's not together. So, uh, but he's still, I think just in terms of upside, I think the staff believes that he's uh, probably their second best option back there. I would think those two would be the guys with uh, Jackson, maybe the, the third option there. Yeah, I, I agree with that. If they're able to have kind of a full preseason camp or something like that, I think Flowers is a guy who really, really uh, has not been helped by, by this you know coronavirus, COVID-19 quarantine. I think he's a guy who needs every rep uh, he can get. He needs all the one-on-one drills out there that he can get. Uh, there, there's a lot of things out there that, that he that he could be doing right now that would help him a lot, as you mentioned, because he didn't play for most of his high school career. He was a baseball guy and a really, really good baseball player uh, who, who was going to sign with Kentucky to play sign with Kentucky to play baseball originally. So he's a guy who is a, is an athletic guy. He's a guy who uh, Pruitt's really high on. He's a guy who, quite frankly, I really, really like a lot as a prospect. Uh, but I, I think 
with all the experience Theo Jackson has, there's part of me that's thinking for the same reason that I wrote, I think it was maybe last week, that the longer this break lasts and the shorter the preseason is, the more likely it'll be that Garantano is a starting quarterback. I think the longer this break lasts and the shorter preseason is, I think the better chance that gives a guy like Theo Jackson to at least start the season in that spot. Uh, because, you know, we, we talked about how much Schamberger and Nigel Warrior improved. Theo Jackson improved immensely. I think there were times where where Pruitt just was beside himself trying to coach that kid the season before that. He just could not get him to stop making some big mistakes. Um, but but the kid really worked hard. He's, he had a good offseason. He learned the defense better. Uh, he, he got some of his technique stuff cleaned up, and, and he ended up making some pretty good plays for Tennessee, I thought, last season. Some games better than others, uh, but I think he was a really improved player. And, and the longer this thing lasts, I agree with you. I think McCullough is, is you know, maybe not sharpied in, but I think McCullough's with a pretty thick pen he's been put into that starting lineup. And the question is who goes beside him. And, and I think that, uh, for me, the longer this break lasts, the, the better chance that Jackson has to, to kind of have that, that spot early on. But But I might be wrong about that. Yeah, no, I, I think there's some merit to that. I'll, you know, Flowers has been on campus for two plus years now. I mean, I think he True. knows the system. Obviously, he's he's you know, uh, but who knows when his next time will be? You know, he had two practices, but that was his first football, which wasn't really football because they were in helmet and shorts. But that was his first football since what early October. So um, maybe he may, he may have some rust to shake off there uh, whenever they do get back to uh, some sort of normalcy. But um, and, and and what I said earlier, I wasn't diminishing Jackson. I, I think he's a solid, reliable player, and I do think he has improved in his career. And um, the coaching staff has, you know, I think they like that he is sort of a yes sir and, and goes and does what he's told. You know, I, I you know, there's uh, he, he's got the right attitude, uh, and he's got the kind of attitude that the staff likes. That you don't have to tell him a bunch of stuff multiple times to get him to do it right. You tell him once, and he'll he'll, he'll do it right. Uh, he just may not be as talented as some of the other guys. Um, and, and I think Flowers and McCullough are part of that group, and. Um, if there's maybe a couple of guys that, that that are hurt by this current situation, I think Tyus Fields is definitely one of them. Um, I, I think yes, he, yes. Uh, we did a list a few weeks ago of guys that were most impact. I think I might've put them on there. Um, I think you did, but another guy that's got, some, another guy that's got some really natural ability. Um, instincts kind of, you know, has some of those intangible things you can't really coach, um, but just need to, you know, learn the defense and get a lot of reps in the defense and, uh, when you're missing practice time, you're missing those opportunities. So, uh, and then he was a guy that that didn't go through spring a year ago because he was coming off uh, ankle surgery. So, missed practice time there that maybe hasn't helped his situation. So, uh, but but Jackson, I you know, I think those are three solid options. I think Tennessee could be in a worse situation um, than having those three guys be sort of at the top of their uh, depth chart in in, in the secondary uh, and at safety. So, um, that's a position where coaching staffs. Uh, defensive coordinators, they need guys there that they, that they can trust. You're the last line of defense. If and it's like we talked about earlier with corner, if you're a safety and you make a mistake, everybody's going to know about it, whether it's a missed tackle or a blown coverage, because um, it's probably a touchdown. So um, that's a position where trust is paramount. And I think Tennessee has at minimum um, three guys that, that the staff can, can put out there and they know that they will be in the right spot and, and do what they're supposed to do. in those three guys, and, and you could even throw even a guy like Cheyenne LaBruza, who's been in the program, yes. been in this defense for a while. Uh, maybe not as, as athletically gifted as some of the other guys uh, at the position, but uh, if they put him back there, I think he probably would know what to do and where to be. Um, so they, they've got some options back there. Um, are any of them going to play at an all, all SEC level like Nigel Warrior did? I don't know. I think um, 
there could be a, an overall drop off at the position just because of that. But um, <clears throat> down the road, I think if, if Flowers can stay healthy, if McCullough keeps on his current track, uh, I think those two guys could be really good players. Um, and, and they've got some guys there that uh, are good enough and have enough experience and some of the other things to, to push them and, and keep them uh, sort of on their toes. Cause you know, those guys are, you know, you, you can be as talented as you want to be, but you need, you need competition. You need other players there that are uh, gunning for your job every week. And you need, uh, you know, you, know, you, you want to be a program where your guys are worried about you recruiting guys that are to come in and take your spot. And so, um, I, I think those guys, those two guys, Flowers and McCullough, have, like I said, I think they have a lot of ability, and I think there's, um, I think they are in, in a good situation where uh, they they still have to go out and earn it. Yeah, and Brandon Davis is another guy who doesn't have a lot of size, but he this is his third year in the program. He's a guy who has some athleticism. He was a really good baseball player in high school. Uh, he's a guy that that you know, if a couple guys go down, he's a guy that knows the defense and and could have a chance to 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 step in there and help you a little bit. Uh, we do need to mention though a guy who was one of the the fastest risers late in the 2020 recruiting cycle, a guy Tennessee got. Uh, whose senior season just had one of the best highlight films, I think, of any player anywhere in the country, and that's the Nico Slaughter, Pat. What do you think about that uh, that that incoming freshman? First of all, his name is outstanding. Um, Correct. Probably just as good as his film maybe was. Um, and he was a guy that um, I think Tennessee saw him in camp. They sort of liked what they saw, but they wanted to see what his senior season looked like, and then he had a really good senior season. Uh, and they, I think, if I recall correctly, pushed pretty hard for him. Uh, right before, you know kind of late in the fall going into December before the early signing period started so um, a guy they think can can cover in the back end could play maybe be a, a rangy center fielder type but also a guy that that you know they'll bring up towards the line of scrimmage and rush him off the edge I think he had what like eight sacks or something like that a bunch um, you don't you don't see a lot of high school safeties doing that uh, a lot of, a lot of times you know some high school coaches will they'll put their safety sort of as their last line of defense because <laughs> they want that guy back there making plays on, on errant passes and uh, making sure that 10 yard plays don't become touchdowns. So uh, for him to do that, I think shows he's got uh, ability to, to rush off the edge, get around pass blockers, uh, kind of blow up guys that are trying to block him if they're running backs, things like that. So um, you look at slaughter and he's a lot like Lawrence and that you go down the list of things that, that Jeremy Pruitt and Derek Hansley want out of their defensive backs Slaughter and Lawrence both check a lot of those boxes, and so uh, you can kind of see what they're uh, kind of what they're going for. I don't I don't know if Slaughter is maybe the prototypical size. He might be a little bit might be a little bit shorter um, than maybe some of those Alabama safeties you've seen that are six two two ten or six two two oh five things like that. But um, you know you want versatile guys that can do a lot of things uh, both down the field in coverage and near the box. Uh, I think Slaughter can can do uh, both those things and. Uh, but that said, it's it's a tough position to learn. Like I said earlier, coaching staff's got to trust you. If you're the last, if you're the last guy, last line of defense, back end, you, the coach staff's got to trust you, uh, and they got to know that you know what you're doing, and, and you and they you know what other the other players on the defense are doing, and you need to be in the right spot. And um, that honestly takes time. You know, even a guy like Jalen McCullough needed a spring and half of a season to sort of break through. Um, it, it takes time, even for um, a guy who's got a lot of talent, a lot of intelligence like he does. So it's just a matter, sort of a matter of time. And, and we'll just have to see what Slaughter looks like when he, uh, uh, whenever he gets to, to campus. It's, it's crazy to think that some of these incoming freshmen are going to start their, 
start their careers on online classes. That's that's got to be such a foreign concept to them. And it is weird. Quite frankly, it's a foreign a foreign concept to me because, um, and that's what's going to happen because Tennessee's gone through online class. I think through the rest of the summer. So yes, um, at least. And, and there's a, sort of there's a still a situation. chance that it's the fall. So we'll see. Yeah, and you know, I, I think that you know the current situation probably diminishes uh, whatever chances a lot of freshmen had. Now there will still be some that break through. There will be some that. Um, I'd end up playing a lot from the first game. There will be, uh, and we've seen this happen before uh, with Pruitt freshmen that play more and more as the season goes on. Um, but sort of just a weird situation, but I think Slaughter has a lot of natural ability and uh, and they'll just have to kind of groom him and, and get him to know the defense and know what he's supposed to do. And um, that, that's got to be the starting point for him. Yeah, first off, if, if you're not, if, if you're going to sign with Tennessee, you, you know, even when Tennessee didn't always have great signing classes, but but just about every year, if you're going to be signed with Tennessee, you're going to have to have good high school film, right? You know, like the, you're going to have to have, be out there kind of running by guys and running through guys and looking like kind of an upper echelon SEC caliber prospect. So when you watch film, sometimes you almost get numb to, to how good some of these guys look against high school competition. Still, though, if you haven't done this, please go to GoVols247.com, click on the signing class, click on Danico Slaughter's name on the profile and watch that film. Because that is like, I mean, it's it's basically like watching one of those like big, huge wrecks at like, um, you know, Talladega or Daytona. It's like that, but like the football version of it. That dude is out there just crushing everybody. And it's really, really fun to watch. If you haven't done so, you should go back and watch that film because I, I think, you know, he, he ended up being rated, I think, what, like 460, 465, 470, something like that in the composite. But uh, he still he, he had been like in the thousands until really late in the game because his film came out and a lot of people were taken aback by it. But you know who wasn't Jeremy Pruitt and those guys because they uh, they really liked that kid for a while. So that, that kind of tells you they know what they're doing in some of those evaluations. Pat, before we get out of here, I think the the ultimate wild card, a guy we've not mentioned yet, uh, could have mentioned him could have mentioned him with the corners, uh, but but we we didn't because we're saving this till the end is the situation with Balaam Buchanan. Uh, he's obviously had some medical issues he's had to deal with. He's had that kind of narrowing of the spinal column. So he, he didn't play, you know, last year or whatever. He played, you know, he redshirted and he came back. He was going to be his fifth-year senior season. In spring, he was still sitting out all contact stuff, but he was out there going through non-contact drills. If he can get cleared, I think he'll be back in the picture because he's a solid player and he's a guy who's one of the team leaders and – uh, I, I think he's a guy that if he does get healthy, I think he's still got a chance to play. Yeah, I think he has a chance to play. I'm, I'm Frankly, I've been skeptical about um, him being able to continue his career, which is unfortunate because I think that he was a guy that this staff really liked and and, uh, and was a guy that Pruitt liked having on the field and was a guy I knew he could trust to, to do the right do the right things and, and be in the right positions. But um, you're talking about a physical game. A lot of collisions, especially as a defensive back, a lot of high-speed collisions, things like that, and it's just it, it's it's tough to see a guy being able to do that if he's got a situation with his neck or his spine. I mean, uh, that's just, and I'm not a doctor, I don't know all the ins and outs of uh, his situation medically, but just hearing that if that's what it's called, and uh, I think there's a name for it, stenosis might be the name that some people on our on our message board that are smarter than me that it, are it's something, uh, actually it, probably it, have. The, yeah, if it's not that, it's something like that. It's a, it's basically a narrowing kind of of the spinal column right up there near the neck, I think. But it it's it's going to be about uh, probably what risk mitigation. You know, can you know what what is the, what is the probability that 
uh, he could suffer a serious injury if he keeps playing football. I think that's the question. And, um, I, I you know, I just I have a tough time seeing him getting back on the field. I know he's continued, continued to operate and, and practice and, um, and work like he's going to continue playing. I know he wants to, um, and, and, and Balin's a, uh, a pretty good kid by all accounts. So you hate yes. to, and a smart kid and a smart because kid of that it's, yeah, uh, his dad played in the NFL, um, you know, as those bloodlines, uh, you, you hate to see it end that way if that's the way it goes. But um, I know he wants to get back and has been doing non-contact practice really since the start of last season. So, um, but again, it's, it's tough to, it's tough for me to see a guy who's got a spinal situation, being able to continue a, a career where uh, there's obviously a lot of risk for uh, head and neck and, and spine injuries just from the inherent violent nature of the game. Yeah, it's true. I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's one thing when you have a situation like Trey Smith, which is serious in in its own right, but one that they think medically they can get a they can get a hold on. Uh, when you talk about a narrowing of the spinal column, kind of in the central nervous system, there, I am not a doctor. Um, there are doctors in my family. My mom's in the medical field is a, is a health dean at a college. I, I I'm around people who know this stuff. I don't know it. I, I I'm not going to pretend that I do, and, and I'm not going to assume anything. But when you hear something like a phrase like kind of a narrowing of the spinal column, you get kind of skittish thinking about that guy playing ball. So uh, we'll we'll see what happens. If anything, uh, we'll certainly ask about him. We continue to ask Prue about him from time to time. We'll see uh, if they can get a, a handle on that medically, um, but we're going to bring that stuff to you. I think if you're Tennessee, you kind of have to assume that he won't be there. Uh, and if um, and then if he does come back, it's a treat. It's a bonus. Uh, I think that that – with that situation, I kind of think you have to assume that he won't be there, and then if he is, that's that's a win. But uh, anything else, Pat? Anything else in the secondary that we didn't get to? I think we covered most of this pretty thoroughly. Just trying to make sure we got it. I think we got everything, Wes. I think we covered every base, every single one. Do you think airtight? Hey, but that, isn't that what we're supposed to do? Isn't yes, that? we're supposed to be complete and thorough professionals. I think, and I think we are, man. Well, Pat, I'm gonna go ahead and let you get out of here. Then stay safe there with you and uh, your family, your lovely wife, and all that. And y'all, uh, y'all stay safe, and we'll see you soon. You too. And, I, and we should point out, shout out to everyone out there that is listening, that is working in the medical field. Yes, doctors, nurses, all of you. Um, if you know people or have family members that are uh, in that line, bless you, bless them. I uh, hope everyone is is staying safe and um, doing their part to. Uh, help the situation get over with so we can get back uh, to some normalcy because I think that's probably what everybody wants. Everybody wants health and safety and uh, things to get back to uh, uh, to the way they were. Amen. Amen, Pat. Appreciate it, man. Be safe out there. You too. Guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, and again, shout out to all the people in the medical field, as Pat said. that's uh, They're out there doing God's work. We appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you a million times over. Thank you for that. As always, you can find all of us on social media. I'm Wes Rucker 24-7 on Twitter. Patrick Brown's P. Brown 24-7 on Twitter. Grant Ramey is Grant Ramey on Twitter. And you can find Ryan Callahan on Twitter at twitter.com slash Callahan 24-7. If you want just Tennessee news, nothing else, you can get that. You can get that easily by going to twitter.com slash govoss 24-7 or facebook.com slash govoss 24-7. And if you want that delicious East Tennessee mountain spring water right from the tap, right from the source, just as fresh as it possibly could be, go to govoss247.com. Got a lot, got a really good deal going on right now, guys. 60% off of an annual subscription to govoss 24-7, which is a pretty darn good deal, I would imagine. And you know, if you pay us for that, you get 
$100 of an annual value, CBS All Access Access for free. $100 annual value in your pocket, no questions asked. That's a great part of being a part of the CBS family of networks. We are we are there. We can give you that uh, for free so you can get everything in the CBS catalog, every show commercial free. You can get uh, basically new movies that rotate in every month. You can get live sports when they return, NFL football, SEC football, NCAA tournament, some UEFA Champions League stuff coming up in the near future because of that new contract. All kinds of stuff, exclusive podcast stuff, everything. $100 annual value for free, for free. If you join GoVols247.com. So go do that. And uh, if nothing else, guys, if there's no breaking news, you'll hear back from us again, I believe, on Thursday, which should just be, well, 24 hours or less from now. So you'll hear from us soon. See you. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.